Today on Blue 58, with the NFL draft done and undrafted free agency all but over, the Packers roster is probably set for this year, barring an unexpected signing of some kind, which could happen. But that means we can take a crack at predicting who the Packers will have on their 53-man roster. So that's what we're going to do today, though there may be a few surprises yet to come. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast from thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. That's exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to take a look at the Packers roster and answer a few of your questions about Packers roster building. First, a bit of news to get out of the way. The Packers have signed one of their draft picks. Devontae Wyatt became the first first-round pick to ink his deal this year, a four-year fully guaranteed $12.86 million deal, according to one Adam Schefter. The deal, of course, includes a signing bonus to the tune of $6.53 million. Not too shabby. So the Packers are off and running, getting to work on signing their draft class. And of course, we can lock in Devontae Wyatt as one of the Packers' 53 players that will be on their initial roster. Looking over the roster, just a overall assessment of the group so far, it's it's hard to see a lot of opportunities for real competition here. Though, taking a look at the group as a whole, I guess it's not a huge surprise, but I was surprised at how much competition there is on the Packers' offensive line. The Packers are probably going to have a 40% different offensive line to start this this season. I guess technically 60% because Devon, or not Devontae Adams, he of course didn't play left tackle, David Bakhtiari was not in the starting lineup uh, for week one last year. It's going to be a bit of turnover there. Overall, though, a lot of this roster is is set. Grading pretty harshly, I sorted the roster into three categories. Absolute locks, uh, good bets, and then guys who, who could go either way. And with those categories, I came up with 26 guys that I consider a roster lock. And that would be a guy that I would bet my life on them being on the roster, barring, you know, extremely extenuating circumstances. These are guys that I think you can take to the bank that they're going to be there. You know, there any number of things could happen. Guys could get traded. Um, somebody could get hurt. They end up on injured reserve instead of on the 53. Extenuating circumstances aside, these are guys that I think are going to be on the roster. Beyond that, I've got good bets, guys that probably will be on the roster. I just don't feel like I can call them locks for certain, and there's varying degrees within there. And then, of course, guys that could go either way, and there's some pretty broad leeway within that category too. But enough you know, defining our terms. Let's talk through this roster starting on the offensive side here. Quarterbacks, not difficult to solve here. There are two locks, and I think they're only going to carry two quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love are going to be your guys. There is a, a circumstance in which they keep Kurt Bankert, I think. I think just being familiar with a guy like him, we're probably higher on him than the rest of the NFL community is. I don't know. Could go either way. I don't think he's going to be on the initial 53-man roster. So you've got two locks there. Bankert probably heads to the practice squad, and Danny Etling, just the Packers are probably going to say, we'll call you. Running back, I think the Packers keep three initially. Though looking at the numbers elsewhere on the roster, you could probably squeeze a fourth on here if you want. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are your locks here. I think Tyler Goodson 
if the undrafted free agent out of Iowa, if I was making the roster today, I'd have him ahead of Patrick Taylor. We talked about him being a little bit better redundancy for Aaron Jones. And I think if you're looking for redundancy on in your running back depth chart, it's going to probably fall more along the lines of Aaron Jones than A.J. Dillon. Patrick Taylor probably ends up on the practice squad. And of course, this entire configuration is contingent on Kylan Hill starting the season on the physically unable to perform list, which is my assumption uh, as of right now. At wide receiver, the Packers, I think the Packers keep seven to start. Uh, and there will be movement, as there always is, but I think there's a good case to be made for seven. The seven that I've got are Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, and Randall Cobb as your absolute take-it-to-the-bank locks. Sammy Watkins, Amari Rogers, and Romeo Dubs are your three pretty good bets beyond that. And I've got Samori Touré making it as the seventh guy, primarily because he's going to be a special teamer. So they'll have him and Rogers and Dubs, I think, kind of rotate who's active based on what they need on special teams. On the outside looking in, that leaves Chris Blair, Danny Davis, and Rico Gafford. No big surprises there, but also Malik Taylor and Jawan Winfrey. Time for some churn there, I think. And we got a a listener question uh, that pertains to Juwan Winfrey. I was going to do listener questions here at the end, but uh, this pertains to Winfrey, so I think we'll address it now. Uh, Wander Around asked in our Discord server, Wander Around 1, asked this. Something I've been wondering for the last few days, is there any hope for Juwan Winfrey? I was at the Cardinals game last year where the wide receiver core was basically decimated, and I thought he played really well. That was really the only time we heard from him last year or ever. I think you're onto something there. Uh, there is something to be had in Juwan Winfrey. But I think just looking at the roster and looking at the potential depth chart, I think he's cooked. Um, I do like his size. I do like his overall performance, though he did fumble twice last year in pretty limited action. But... To your point, when the Packers needed help at wide receiver, when their depth chart was torn up, when Devontae Adams was gone, or Randall Cobb was gone, or even Marquez Valdez-Scantling was gone, they didn't turn to Amari Rodgers, they turned to Juwan Winfrey, and that's because Winfrey's the more conventional receiver body there. But the Packers added three pretty conventional receivers in the draft, Watson, Dubs, and Ture. And what do all of them have in spades, that Winfrey only kind of has. It's speed. Overall, Winfrey's a pretty good athlete. But compare him to Christian Watson or Dubs or Toure. It's just a different category of speed. Taylor can compete with those guys, at least in time speed. Winfrey really can't or doesn't. And I think that's going to be, be the difference there. To be fair, our guy wander around asked this question before the NFL draft. I think I would have had Winfrey's chances a little bit higher had the Packers not drafted three, even if they'd only drafted two. I think you could make a case for him making it ahead of Malik Taylor, who, although pretty okay on special teams, has never really expanded his role beyond that. Winfrey got looks ahead of Taylor as a receiver. So maybe there's a, there was a path to the roster there, but I think the door is pretty much closed for Jawan Winfrey and Malik Taylor at this point. Tight end, I think the Packers start with four. 
Mercedes Lewis and Josiah DeGuara are your locks. They are the most unique talents here. Uh, Robert Tunyon starts on the physically unable to perform list, so he's not among the four. Tyler Davis, I think, is a good bet to make the roster pretty close to lock territory there. The Packers seem really high on him there. Guy could go either way on is Dominique Daphne. I wouldn't certainly call him a lock. I don't even think he's a good bet. He's fairly redundant to Josiah DeGuara. And it seems like it's, he's just okay. I mean, I say that as a pretty big Dominique Daphne fan. But there's just not a whole lot there. And the redundancy to DeGuara really hurts him. Uh, I just, I don't see it for him this year. Now, I wouldn't really be surprised. I, I have him making the 53-man roster, so it, it wouldn't be that big of a surprise if he makes it. But I don't see a, a big long-term role for him. And if they're looking to shift things around at the bottom end of the roster, He's probably one of those guys that is going to be among the first two or three cuts if they need to shift some some bodies around. Uh, as I said, Robert Tunyon starts the year on the, the pup list, and Elise Mack, um, maybe he shows something, maybe he doesn't. I I just don't, I don't see it for him at this point. Offensive line. This gets a little bit interesting because you're definitely going to have an early season portion and a mid to late season portion because they've got guys figuring stuff out with some injuries. David Bakhtiari, John Runyon, Josh Myers, lock, lock, and lock. Same goes for Sean Ryan and Zach Tom, two of the draft picks this year. Beyond that, I think Yash Nyman and Royce Newman are pretty two really good bets. To start the season, Nyman may be your starting right tackle. It'll probably be between him and Ryan, depending what they want to do with Ryan. Once Elton Jenkins comes back, he probably is your swing tackle backup. They're going to keep him. Um, he's an elite athlete. They started him at tackle last year. I can't say he's an absolute lock because you know, stranger things have happened, uh, but he's pretty darn close to being a lock. Royce Newman, I would say, is a good bet too, just given the amount he played last year and I think the improvement that you saw over the course of the season. Now, don't get me wrong. It was rough last time uh, for Newman, but I think he he improved as the season went long, went on. And if you look at his pro football focus grades, his best four games of the season, I think were his last four games that he played last year, he made some some real honest-to-goodness strides. He's a good athlete. He gives you a little bit of tackle flexibility, having having done that in college. He kind of seems like the the tackle version of, of Sean Ryan, a guy who's probably maybe skews a little bit more towards the outside, but they bumped him inside. Ryan might skew a little bit more towards the inside, but they play him outside. I, I think Newman ends up on the roster. They're not just going to hand him the starting right guard job, though. Beyond those, what have we got? Seven here that are either locks or goods bets. I have the Packers keeping Cole Van Lannan and Rasheed Walker. Now, this too is predicated on Elton Jenkins ending up on the pup list because that's probably where he's going to start this year. But there are a couple different directions the Packers could go. Um, George Moore, I think, is an intriguing prospect on the offensive line, the big guard tackle prospect out of Oregon. He's bigger than Van Lannan is. And he's probably a better guard prospect than Walker is. Walker probably has a slight edge because he is a draft pick. He's the more you know highly touted prospect coming out. But I wouldn't be surprised if there is a different combination of those three that ends up on the roster. So your your top three non-locks are, are Van Lannan, Walker, and more for me. I do have Jake Hansen ending up on the outside looking in here. Maybe the Packers keep him around as a, a long-term backup center. I think that experiment is pretty well over, though. Um, beyond that, I don't see a lot of real exciting prospects among 
among the lower end offensive linemen. I expect, as we always do, we're going to see quite a bit of churn there. So there's your offense. On the defensive side of the thing, this roster projection that is, uh, let's start on the defensive line. Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt are your absolute stone-cold locks. And Dean Lowry is pretty darn close, though I've got him as just a good bet, too. TJ Slayton and Jaron Reed round out your top five. And five is probably not enough, but just looking at who else the Packers have, I couldn't come up with a guy that I'd rather have than one of these other positions. For instance, I'd rather have a sixth edge rusher, and we'll get to that here in a second, than I would like any of these other defensive linemen types uh, at least when co- with com- when compared to the guys the Packers already have on the roster. So that means Jack Heflin is getting cut. Draft pick Jonathan Ford is getting cut. Uh, a Kyle Byers, Akeel Byers, who got an $8,000 signing bonus as an undrafted free agent, is getting cut. And Hawadi uh, Pututau is also getting cut, too. I would listen to arguments on that. If you like Heflin as a sixth defensive lineman, I certainly... I wouldn't try to talk you out of that. This is just where I see the roster right now. Um, if you have strong feelings in a different direction, I I totally get that. And we're in May here, so take all of the roster projection stuff with a big grain of salt. On the edge, I think the Packers keep six, and they've got a couple guys towards the bottom end of the roster that I think are, are interesting prospects. Uh, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary are the absolute locks here. Beyond that, Kingsley and Igbari really good bet. Jonathan Garvin, I think a really good bet too, because he was pretty productive in spot roles last year and gives you some special teams value. I think Randy Ramsey actually makes it after coming back from a torn ACL. And then undrafted free agent guy, uh, Chauncey Manak, Manak uh, makes it as the sixth guy. That means Caleb Bryce, Ladarius Hamilton, and Tipa Naliai are on the outside looking in. As a big Tipa fan, uh, that stings a little bit to say, but he just hasn't put on the weight, I think, enough that is going to make him a real factor there on the edge. Ladarius Hamilton got some some burn last year. I didn't see any reason to really devote a whole lot more time to him. And, and part of this is just saying, want to try something new. And the Packers may see that entirely differently. They have a lot of information, obviously, that we don't have. But I feel pretty good with these six. Totally wouldn't surprise me if they went with five. But I think these six are pretty darn good bets, including the, the two absolute locks there. At inside linebacker, things get interesting here because you've got a bunch of guys that I think are pretty similar. Uh, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, absolute locks. We don't have to talk about those guys a whole lot. Uh, Chris Barnes, Isaiah McDuffie, Tariq Carpenter, and Ty Summers. Not all those guys make it, but I think probably two of the four end up on the roster. So I've got a five-slash-six at, at inside linebacker, if you if or sir, excuse me, four slash five at at inside linebacker. If you had me uh, nail down just two of those three, or maybe three of those four, losing track a little bit here. Uh, Barnes, I think, is the best bet there, so I, I have him as a really good bet. Then it's Isaiah McDuffie and Tariq Carpenter. I think uh, Tariq Carpenter is still listed as a safety on the Packers' website, though. They, I think, are going to end up playing him at linebacker more, and uh, I think even Matt Lafleur said they really think of him as a linebacker more than a more than a safety type. At corner, I really have only got five, so if you go with four at inside linebacker, maybe five at inside linebacker, I think you you really can only justify five at cornerback, and that is super light. 
but I just don't know enough about the guys beyond the the real top end here to to say one way or another. It's it. It's really an absolute guess. Your top three locks, though, are Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, and Eric Stokes. No surprises there. Shamar Jean Charles is, I think, a really good bet. He's going to be your Chandon Sullivan replacement. He really needs to make a big jump, though, because he didn't show much last year, didn't get an opportunity to show much. He needs to to take some strides to really, I think, um, assuage some worry there in the secondary. If he shows up in the preseason and looks real solid, I think you feel really good about the the cornerback position. Kaishan Nixon is uh, my fifth corner for the Packers, and he's probably your Isaac Yadam for this year, uh, just a, a core special teams type guy. Um, has some connections to Rich Bisaccia, and the Packers, I think, are going to go with more of those dedicated special teamer types. Nixon seems like that kind of guy. If you wanted to put a sixth guy on here right now, I'd say it's probably KB on Ento, just given his the level of seasoning he's had relative to some of these other guys. Uh, but you've got uh, Raleigh Tejada there, the undrafted free agent, who's a, who's a pretty darn good athlete, and Keandre Thomas as potential other options. Again, no real strong feelings there. At safety, boy, they're thin. Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage are absolute locks. They picked up the fifth-year option on Darnell Savage. He's going to make the roster. It's it's not going to be a big surprise. Beyond that, you're throwing darts, I think. Uh, your four options are Innes Gaines, Trey Sterling, Sean Davis, and Vernon Scott. Gaines looked like a preseason stud last year, but never really made an impact on the 53. I'd have to look. I didn't look this up before recording. I didn't. I don't know if he ever made it actually to the 53, though Sean Davis did for a little bit. Vernon Scott was a healthy scratch for like 15 of 17 games last year. He looked as a a rookie in 2020 like he was going to be the next special teams dynamo. Like he was going to figure it out on special teams, big body, good athleticism, good straight line speed. Like he was going to be a core special teamer for half a decade or so. But then they basically redshirted him in 2021 in favor of Henry Black. And we all saw how that worked out last year. Black did not have a tremendous year, really by any stretch of the imagination. So safety could go any number of directions. I've got Innes Gaines, an undrafted man, uh, Trey Sterling making the roster. If you feel strongly about Vernon Scott or Sean Davis, or you just want to say they're going to go with somebody completely different, again, I'm not going to try to talk you out of that. Uh, I think we're going to have to see a lot of movement uh, at safety this summer to really figure out what the Packers need there. Um, it's it's a tough position. They didn't really add anybody of substance there in the draft. Tariq Carpenter, technically a hybrid. I really think more linebacker for him. Even if he was a safety, I don't think it answers a lot of the questions because he looks like exclusively a box guy if he's playing playing as a safety anyway. It could be a trouble spot. And it seems like it's been a trouble spot for the Packers since like 2019 when they were regularly throwing Will Redmond out there. Now, to be fair, I don't think there's a lot of teams you look around in the NFL and say, you know who's got three really good safeties that you can count on week in and week out? The, let's pick a team out of the air. Indianapolis Colts. They have three guys, all really solid safeties, B plus at minimum. You know, all of those guys, you, you would trust them to do whatever you need them to do in the secondary. I just don't think that's a scenario that exists in the league. So we're probably 
looking a little bit too intently at the number three safety, though it is an important thing. Oddly, Quay Walker probably helps with that a lot. And that's a good transition uh, here in a second to a great listener question that we have. To finish this out, I think your three specialists are, are Stephen Wortel, Wordle, uh, Mason Crosby, and Pat O'Donnell. Uh, O'Donnell, I think, is an absolute lock. Crosby is a, is a really, really good bet. I only say that because they've got two other kickers on the roster. What's going on there? That's kind of weird. Um, and Wordle is the only long snapper in, in the building right now. Though if they turned that at all, I would not be surprised either. There's the initial projection. Um, I'm going to write something up about it, so we've got something on paper. Look for that at thepowersweep.com. Coming here very soon. I feel pretty good about it. And I think the Packers, more to the point, should feel really really good about this too. Uh, This is a roster that I think does not have a lot of holes. And like I said, to open this up, 40 guys that are either locks or good bets to make the roster. That's a pretty good place to be in in May as you're heading into the summer months. Got a couple of listener questions that I want to take here before I let you go for the day. First, uh, from Brian on Twitter, how does the evaluation of our individual defenders change if we stay in our base nickel more? Darnell Savage specifically might be an interesting conversation since his production has been questioned. I want to look at this question specifically and then generally. Specific to Brian's question, the nickel defense. Packers nickel right now is two defensive linemen, two edge rushers, two inside linebackers, three corners, and two safeties. The defensive line is easy to figure out. It's going to be Kenny Clark and some combination of Devontae Wyatt or Dean Lowry, uh, depending on down and distance, depending on uh, how those matchups go. It'll be one of those two guys, probably Wyatt more often than not. On the edge, no surprise, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary. Inside linebacker, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker. No big surprises there. Corner, Jair, Rasul, and Eric Stokes. At safety, Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. That's the group we're probably dealing with. So how do the evaluations change? Guys I feel better, include Dar- feel better about include Darnell Savage. His responsibilities are going to be a little bit more limited this year. Always good when you have a guy with great physical tools, but questionable execution. Giving him fewer responsibilities allows him to do what he does well almost exclusively. You don't have to stretch him at all. He's also going to be less run-focused this year. Because with Quay Walker out there, the Packers are going to be bigger in nickel than they have been previously. They're not going to be playing those box safeties as much. They're not going to be walking Darnell Savage or Adrian Amos down near the line of scrimmage as much as, uh, as, much as they have in the past which lets them play a little bit deeper, which lets them do more traditional safety things because Quay Walker is going to be doing those run fits and run fills and taking on tight ends uh, a little bit more. That frees up Savage and Amos to be a little bit more traditional safety. On top of that, Darnell Savage is probably not going to have to worry about covering the slot as much. People have uh, been infatuated with the idea of him doing that for the past couple years, playing that star position in, in the Joe Barry defense. I think we need to put that aside for right now. Just let him be a safety, let him do a little bit less, uh, and just let him grow from there. More broadly speaking, I think this is a trend we need to monitor with the Packers as a whole. Getting their certain players on the roster to do more by asking them to do less. We've seen that play out to positive effect over the past couple years. For a long time, that was what I asked the Packers to do with Billy Turner. Don't 
get too fixated on this idea of him being a guard and a tackle, just let him be a guard or a tackle. And as he really settled in on the right side of that offensive line at right tackle, I think you saw his play improve. We mentioned this with Romeo Dubs coming out of the draft. He was kind of Nevada's do-everything guy. In Green Bay, he's going to be able to be a little bit more focused. The Packers are going to be able to tailor a role just for him as that fourth, maybe fifth, maybe sixth wide receiver on the roster. He's not going to have to have the entire playbook at his disposal. It's going to be a relatively limited amount of plays. That is going to help him. Just be an athlete, do these few things really well, you're going to help the team overall. I think that's where Darnell Savage is headed in 2021 or 2022. I hope so. Uh, And a guy like Quay Walker taking on some of those more safety-like responsibilities, I think helps, helps Savage in a big way. Queso asks in our Discord server, what traits would tend to make someone a good center but not a great guard and vice versa? The obvious difference is skills related to snapping the ball, but I'm specifically interested interested in the reverse case. Skills or traits that help at guard more than center. I think the big thing actually here comes down to physical traits. Size is going to move you around for both guard and center. Generally, centers tend to be your smallest lineman, though the Packers have trended away from that a little bit lately. They are also the brain of your offensive line. They're doing your offensive line shifts, your line calls, sometimes even identifying the middle linebacker for your quarterback. Jeff Saturday did this for years for Peyton Manning. He was responsible for identifying the mic, which is kind of the fulcrum for your entire protection plan. It depends, or It's going to affect how you shift left, how you shift right, things like that. Things that are good for a center but maybe not so good for a guard would be relying on technique over size and strength. If you're if you're more of a technician, you're probably better suited to center than you are to guard. If your approach is more cerebral than just mauling, you're probably a center more than a guard. Good guard, bad center, again, tends to be more of just a, a blunt instrument, a mauler. Put a little bit differently, think of it as athleticism. Centers rarely have to pull, so if you have good movement abilities, you'll probably end up at guard rather than center. If you've got two players with comparable side, size, you'll probably put the better mover at guard. They are pretty similar positions and becoming, I think, more so now than they were before. I think a guy like Josh Myers can play both center and guard. The Packers still have him listed as a center guard on their website. Um, Zach Tom, I think, is going to be a real prospect for the Packers at both guard and center. It, it's becoming, the distinctions are, are blurring more than they were in the past. Uh, but I think there are still some some semi-meaningful distinctions between the two. Finally, Ray Pese Bay asks in our Discord server, how important would you say the ability to play well in inclement weather is for the league as a whole? Obviously much more important for teams like the Packers or the Buffalo Bills. It's certainly not a negative, but I don't think it's something that people are getting drafted for. I think it's justification that you add after the fact, specifically if you're a team like the Packers or the Bills, who are playing in bad weather a lot. The Packers said it about A.J. Dillon. They could really envision him playing in in bad weather games for them. But I think they were just going to take A.J. Dillon regardless. And that's fine because he's good. He's a good player. That he can play well in bad weather is a bonus. Think of a feature on a car that's nice to have but not necessary to have, like having both a sunroof and a moonroof. It's not bad if you've got one. You're certainly not going to be upset about it, but you're probably not buying the car because of it either. You're not sitting at home thinking, should we buy this car, yes or no? Well, it's got the moonroof and the sunroof, so that really seals it for me. You're probably thinking about a lot of other things first, but then when you get home, you go, oh, it's pretty neat. It's got a sunroof and a moonroof. 
that may be a bad example. Maybe people are out there buying their cars because of that feature specifically. Think of whatever feature in a car that is nice for you to have, but not necessarily something you have to have. Certainly, it's not a detriment to be able to play well in bad weather, but I don't think it's a reason to take a player over a different guy. So I've got for you in this episode. I appreciate everybody who wrote in with questions. I appreciate you for taking a second to download this show. Uh, I would appreciate it even more if you'd go ahead and share it with someone you think would enjoy it. It's going to help more people find the show, and it's going to help more people uh, get involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.